Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to what I'm told is Season 4, Episode 46, and that will probably explain the reason for the extra grey hairs I keep seeing in the mirror. We've been doing this now for forever, chaps. Um, welcome to those joining me today. I'm Rob Worrell. Um, I'll introduce Dickie first because he's our ever-present. He's here week in, week out, uh, and because he's got the same initials as me. Good afternoon, Dickie. Uh, good afternoon. Yeah, it's really good to see you, Rob. Uh, it's uh, been a, a, an exciting day, hasn't it? It has been so much to cover. Um, and we've got, well, I'd like to say he was a regular. We used to call him the housewife's favourite, but we he picks and chooses when he comes on now. Very busy man, all joking apart. Welcome, Chris Pratt. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Good to be on, especially uh, this evening. And one thing I've never noticed after doing this podcast with you for so, for so many years is that you have actually got the same initials. So I've learned, <laughs> I've noticed something new. <laughs> the reason I know it, Chris, is because Dickie always comes on with like a sports top hanging up behind him with RW initials. And I'm thinking, why has he got my shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a number of your items of clothing on that basis, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and our third and final guest uh, on this, uh, you know, look back at the final day of the National League season and the uh, National League North and South playoffs, uh, clocking up a hat-trick of appearances already uh, on the podcast. Uh, very delighted to say uh, we've got uh, Joe Pope on. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. I've done a, I've done a Deserouvre today. Like Grimsby got a hat-trick, I've got my hat-trick today. <laughs> Absolutely. You're keeping very good company there, Joe. Great to have you on again. Uh, Joe, of course, uh, is uh, uh, yellow and blue. He's, uh, well, talkie in Ukraine these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Talkie fan. Um, Obviously, uh, finished with a one-all draw today, as we'll go on to speak about. Nothing really to play for, but uh, more interesting things at the top. It'll be in the also-ran department towards the end, slightly higher up than the Aldershot game, Joe, but... uh, (laughs) That's the yes. best time yeah, anyway. But uh, let's get to the action uh, and where else to start other than the National League. And the title race actually went to the wire, went to the final day, but there wasn't to be too much drama. Ultimately, Stockport, who only needed a point against Halifax, got the job done with a victory, while Wrexham, the only team that could have pipped them at the post, uh, fell to defeat at Dagenham. It was heartbreak for Dagenham because they have ended up missing out on the playoffs by just a single point. Um, but let's start with the title winners. It was Stockport County in the end, Chris. You predicted it. I predicted it. It was a, a hell of a roller, uh, roller coaster ride in between. But they got the job done. Did they do it in style today at Edgley Park? They absolutely did it in style today, Rob. It was I'm a bit emotional, actually. It's been a it's been a long day. It's been a a, a busy day. Um, it's been a, a crazy day, really. But they did it in style. They went one nil up. Uh, great strike from Paddy Madden right into the bottom corner from the edge of the area. That settled the nerves. And I've got to say, Halifax were a bit disappointing considering that they were chasing that that third spot. They didn't really turn up uh, and play. Um, and then the goal just after half time was absolutely fantastic and that sealed the deal. And just as that second goal went in, 
Uh, a goal went in at Dagenham as well. So that was just amazing. The fans were just bouncing. It was a, an amazing day, Rob. It was it was quite an occasion. And uh, funnily enough, I remember seeing a, an interview with Dave Challoner a few weeks ago. And in that interview, when they just started to stutter a little bit, he said, look, if we have to get across the line in the final game of the season, then we will. I don't think anybody thought that's what would actually happen, but it, it was that in the end, wasn't it? How, uh, what sort of mood did you find him in today? <laughs> oh, well, I obviously spoke to him at the end of the game when he was absolutely delighted and, uh, with, with the owner, Mark Stott, um, hanging around listening to, to every word as well. But um, I actually asked him that question, as you'll hear in, in the interview when we get to it, but for them to come back, for them to have the chance to win it last Sunday at Wrexham and fail spectacularly as they did um, and get defeated 3-0 and come back and pick up those four points, out of, well, pick up six points out of the, the six remaining points. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I know it, one was on Wednesday night against your guys, but uh, shows massive character in my book because being so far ahead and being pegged back and then being beaten by your rivals with two games to go, Massive character by the, the Stockport County players. And today, I hate to say it, well, I do enjoy saying it, though. It was it was comfortable. It, there was no dramas at any point. I don't think anybody's going to massively dispute uh, Stockport County's uh, you know, credentials in, in winning the National League. They were definitely one of the top two or three squads at the start of the season. Yes, they started at the start, but once Challoner came in, it always looked likely they, they would do it. The Wrexham scenario is interesting, though, isn't it? Because they never really hit top form until they had that run of home games and started scoring four or five. It all clicked for them with the front three. Um, and that ultimately just probably came a game or two too late for Wrexham because they've been like a juggernaut ever since. And of course, it didn't happen for them today on the final day of the season. Uh, they went 3-0. Uh, they went down 3-0 at Dagenham. Marias, McCallum and Robinson uh, on the score sheet. But, uh, Joe, I'll come to you. You saw Wrexham not too long ago at Torquay and they didn't particularly impress you that day at all. Um, where do you think they've fallen short? Well, I think that day when they played Torquay, I think it was perhaps not the best version of them that we saw. Um, they had a couple of players out uh, Obviously, Mullin wasn't available on that one. That was the time when he just had a, a sending off and a bit of injury. Um, Palmer was only in his second game, I think, for Wrexham. Um, and uh, obviously, they've been they've been scoring uh, scoring you know freely. I think at the end, it's just the fact that they were not as consistent as Stockport. Obviously, they've just they finished the season well recently. Obviously, today they they didn't. Um, obviously, the the three 0 defeat we talked about. The the home record has been very good. Um, obviously Chris won't like me mentioning it obviously as they beat uh, Stockport 3-0 in that one um, but obviously their away form hasn't been good um, and I think that's the only advantage that they will see out of finishing in the top three is the fact that the semi-final that they will play will be at home um, as if it, if they had to play the semi-final away I think they'd be uh, a little less confident but, um, I mean, they've shown on their day that they can beat uh, anybody in this division. Um, and if they can replicate the standards that they did against Stockport um, and the other teams that they've been beating freely, then uh, they'll be uh, in with a good shout. Um, but the pressure will be all on them. So, ultimately, then, at Edgeley Park, Chris, it was a 2-0 win, wasn't it? Inevitably, Paddy Madden on 
the score sheet. And, uh, and Will Collar as well, back in the side um, at the right time after his uh, suspension. Um, and uh, you caught up with the victorious Stockport County manager, Dave Challoner, after the game. Well, Dave, you said you could do it when you came in. You've done it. How does it feel? It feels brilliant. Um, and we'll continue to feel brilliant for the next six weeks um, and, and we can look forward to a football league campaign now and something that um, probably like you say five, six months ago was maybe not on everybody's mind when we first came here so to, to get over the line in the manner that we did and, and in my opinion we deserve champions and we'll enjoy it Yeah, I mean in the manner that you did exactly I mean you needed four out of the last six points and you did it and the character you, as you players was brilliant Yeah, listen they have to go out and, they have to go out and play the game we can give them um, as much information, motivation, all those oh, things. You need to be calm within what is a, a tough environment, um, and you have to play the game and not play the occasion. And I think over the last two two games, we've absolutely done that. Um, and like I say, they can really reflect in the next few weeks what they've done because it's a, it's a huge achievement and a, an achievement that this football club has cried out for it opens up so many so many avenues in terms of where we want to go uh, and this this makes it a lot easier that early goal was so important as well wasn't it <laughs> just to calm the nerves around the stadium I, I think it settles everything um, because yeah, ultimately there'll be there'll be lots of um, there'll be lots of focus on what happens away from here and if you don't start well I thought like I say our, our, our start to the game forget the goal was was massively positive really front foot um, there were th- some things we can do better and, and that will continue to be the case but um, I, like I say it, it was as comfortable as it could be um, needing to win a game to, to pick up the, the, the trophy Chris um, the guy has a lot of respect in football doesn't he I've had so many other managers that I've spoken to over the course of the season that hold him up there as the best manager at this level and uh, he had one of the best squads too and I guess the two when they came together in a marriage that was it yeah well I think you know we've we've known Dave Challenger for a long time I've spoken to him for a hell of a long time it seems for this podcast and for for other interviews with the different clubs he's, he's been with and his record is second to none isn't it so when County brought him in in the season you knew that they meant business they'd gone for the man that they think you know, has the best record and will get County up. And he, that is exactly what he has gone and done. And do you know what? Another thing that I would say about him, he's got time for everyone. I was watching him at, at the end of that match. There's people coming up to him all over the place, wanting selfies, wanting pictures, wanting shirt signed, wanting the shirt off his back, which he'd promised to, had been promised to about 18 people, I think. But he's always got time to have a chat and he, he'd talk about football all day. So it couldn't happen to a nicer manager, a nicer person. I'm just really pleased with what he's done. His teams are high pressing. They don't give you a second on the ball. And he's totally transformed the Stockport County season this season. Well, we wish Stockport County well uh, in the English Football League next season. We'll wait to see who joins them. Um, in terms of uh, the jostling for position in the playoffs, uh, the next big shootout on the day was really who could who could get third place. Halifax had been in control of it for a number of weeks, but just slipped behind Solly Almore's on goal difference last weekend when they could only draw with Aldershot. Um, and on the day, well, obviously Halifax had a really difficult game in going to Edgley Park, but Solly Almore's, well, they didn't wait and round and see what that result was. They got the job done. Um, and Dickie, uh, a terrific finish to the season for Solihull Moors. 
3-0 win at Borehamwood. Not too many teams have put three past Luke Garrard's men. Huddling Sabara again and Rooney on the score sheet. And uh, they'll be feeling confident, won't they, going into the playoffs now in third place with just one home game to get through to the final. Yeah, I think they will be feeling confident. And, and I think, you know, with with they've every right to. When you look at how they've performed, and I think they've only finished two points behind Wrexham, ultimately. I don't think they weren't ever really in that title conversation. That has always been... Wrexham and Stockport but while Wrexham and Stockport have you know had their little stutters lately lately, or you know Wrexham took points off Stockport last week Solihull have just kept on grinding away and grinding away they took third place from Halifax last weekend and you know I have to say you know looking at, at the going into the playoffs if Solihull were not to make it this year, they'd absolutely have to be one of the favourites for this division next year, I would say. Um, they've had a, a sensational season. Yeah, well done to Neil Ardley and everybody at Solihull Moors. Uh, so behind them, um, well, Notts County had pretty much secured uh, certainly their playoff place and also uh, fifth place as well prior to the final game of the season. But they had to go to York Road. They had to take on Alan Devonshire's Maidenhead side uh, in the Battle of the Magpies. Uh, and they got the job done. A, a tricky one, always that, isn't it? A way to uh, Notts County. Callum Roberts getting on the score sheet. And uh, what that means is that Notts County secure fifth place. They're guaranteed a home tie uh, in the Eliminators. Um, as for Maidenhead, it was defeat on the day, but another magnificent achievement for Alan Devonshire and his men. And uh, recently I caught up with the Maidenhead media manager, Grace Scott, about how things are going down at York Road. My best prediction of the season, I said it was about two or three months ago, I said, no, Maidenhead are the sort of side that will go and beat two playoff chasing teams back to back. Thank you very much. You did it the very next two games. Um, you got a, a good record against some of the big boys. You're a real spoiling team, aren't you? That's literally the way that Dev likes the players to play as well. There just seems to be no pressure when those big sides turn up. But sometimes with egos and all the preparation that they do compared to us, we just seem to thrive. It always seems to be at York Road as well when the fans get behind the team. It's such a good atmosphere. And yeah, having those moments, I think, has just perked the supporters onto the end of the season and finished on a high. And uh, I guess the crowd here at York Road will have been relatively pleased. Eight of your 11 National League wins have come here at York Road. Um, is it a support that stays pretty steady? Is it dwindling? Is it, is, it, is it climbing? I think for home games, we've seen quite an increase in under-16s and that family atmosphere, which we maybe haven't had before, being quite a traditional National League club. We don't want it to put families off coming down and getting behind the team, but we have got a very loyal supporter base that travel home and away, and they will always get behind the team. Even through that rough patch, as you mentioned, they'll always get behind Dev and the boys. Um, we're used to seeing Sam Barrett taking the headlines. It's been a little bit quiet since the start of the season. They obviously got the winner on uh, Saturday playing in a free roll up top. But probably the player that's most caught the eye outside of Maidenhead this season has been uh, Josh Kelly. Um, is he contracted for next season or is that going to be Dev's first key signing if he can keep him? Yes, my understanding is that um, we definitely want to keep him. Um, there's been times in the past where Josh maybe has had offers or wanted those offers from the league. And obviously that's the direction any player wants to go. But I think he's quite happy at Maidenhead. Hopefully um, Dev will get the deal done before the summer and then we can keep him for next year. 
And Dev himself, has he contracted or is he just uh, given the nod a year at a time? I don't know how it works. We've got Dev until 2024, which we're lucky um, about as well. We've obviously got plans for a new stadium, which we're going to be discussing after this game with supporters, actually. So it's quite a busy period for the team and the club as a whole. So I think having Dev and that core of the team is really important for us. Joe, just a thought on them going into the playoffs. They've definitely got the attacking prowess they need, but uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, have they got the uh, the consistency and the winning mentality now to get through uh, three games and get promoted to the Football League? Yes, yeah, I think uh, obviously they've reintegrated Cal Roberts back in um, over the last month or so. There were talk whether he would uh, fallen out with uh, Ian Birchnell, I heard um, on Twitter, but obviously that's not really surfaced. Uh, it seems he's back in the back in the fold of goal today. Um, they've got a couple of players back recently from injury. Uh, one I know very well, Carl Cameron, uh, come back in. Um, the captain come back in at the back and they've actually kept three clean sheets in their last three games. They're not as experienced um, as the other teams. I'd, I'd look at perhaps a Solihull Moors um, with a manager like Ardley, who funny enough got to the playoff final with Notts County um, and people in their team that have been promoted before from this level and say that they're perhaps a little bit uh, further on um, with their experience and obviously Wrexham with the players that they've got and the quality on their day. But Notts County will relish that. Um, I think with the with that front three, uh, Rodriguez, Roberts and, and Wooten, if they can keep it tight, um, then they've got more than us uh, on their day. It looks like they've managed to uh, do, or they've managed to cope with the loss of Harry Arter. Um, obviously, he went back uh, two weeks or so ago. Um, but th- they'll be confident, I think. Good stuff. Uh, Grimsby, they sealed their uh, playoff place in the week, didn't they? But uh, uh, they ended up in an absolute humdinger of a game at uh, Eastleigh on the final day of the season. Uh, uh, and Dickie or Chris, I don't know if one of you two's got the information on uh, how that game went, but it was bonkers, wasn't it? I think it was always looking, if any side was going to win it, it was Grimsby. But Eastleigh kept uh, plugging, plugging away and eventually got themselves the point that secured uh, 19th place in the table, not a position that they'll be proud of, but uh, they did uh, stand to potentially lose that on the final day. Uh, anybody can talk us through that game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit crazy, actually, because, like, as you said, Grimsby kept going in front, kept being pegged back, kept going in front, kept being pegged back. In fact, they were 2-0 up at, at half-time as well um, before Eastleigh pegged them back to 2 also. Yeah, I mean, Grimsby, I, I look at the, the playoff... Um, positions and if you look at those a lot of the teams are in good form as well sometimes you get teams that are are struggling a little bit but every team that we've mentioned so far is on a really really good run of form Grimsby have only lost against Maidenhead in the last sort of 10 matches really so they're another one who who are going to be going in confident and and don't forget you know this is this is Grimsby's um, first season in this in this division and normally we we know that that is really tricky and very few sides actually make the playoffs in that first season. They really struggle. So I think it's quite an achievement for them to get there. Fair point, Chris. The final playoff position was occupied by Chesterfield and they just about occupied it at the end of the day. They, uh, they crawled, they limped, they, uh, they dribbled and fumbled their way across the line in the end. Um, they were held nil-nil by Woking. 
And that point was enough. It was always going to be enough today, no matter what Dagenham did um, against Wrexham. But uh, they got across the line and I don't know what to make of it. I guess we, we talk about clubs coming into the playoffs in form. If there's one team that isn't in form at all, but they do find themselves in the playoffs, it's Chesterfield. And, um, you know, Paul Cook has come in and he certainly didn't have an easy job, did he, following James Rowe? And by hook or by crooker, he, uh, Chris, he's at least got him across the line. Well, he has, like you say, they were spluttering, weren't they, um, to make it. And, you know, they if they can get a positive result out of this season, it would be unbelievable with the trials and tribulations that they've had with Shimanga's injury and what's gone on with, with James Rowe and swapping the managers. And, you know... Paul Cook, who hasn't been that media friendly, um, we have to say, dur- during the season. He uh, he cut a, a reporter off who, who was asking him inappropriate questions, according to <laughs> according to, to Cook. But uh, if they actually get anything out of this season, they'll be absolutely delighted. Because, yes, as you say, they are not in form whatsoever. And, you know, that um, finishing with a nil-nil draw when... Woking, if they'd have snatched a winner at the end, just if they wouldn't have been in those playoffs. Yep. Absolutely. That was very much on my mind as I was watching the, the final scores come in from elsewhere. I wondered if there might be a late twist in that game. That pretty wraps, uh, pretty much wraps up the playoff situation. I've got it, guys. Tell me if I'm wrong. It'll be Notts County at home to Grimsby uh, and Halifax at home to Chesterfield in the uh, eliminator rounds. Correct. Um, and to be honest with you, um, one of those games looks easier to predict than the other, doesn't it? But you just don't know. I would probably back Halifax, but it could be dour. It could be low scoring. It could be tight. and It might come down to one uh, key moment. Um, and Notts County against Grimsby. That one's uh, a flip of a coin, isn't it, chaps? Yeah, I mean, I, I would... I wouldn't. Uh, obviously, they uh, they finished five points below uh, Notts County in the league, and uh, Notts Grimsby haven't been in the best form themselves uh, the last few weeks. But I wouldn't uh, write Paul Hurst off. You know, he's been through the playoffs before. He's he's got him a promotion. Um, you know, he knows how to get across the line. Um, and even though today they drew four all, they did make a lot of changes to their team. Um, a lot of youngsters in um, that team won't be the one playing in the playoffs. Uh, Paul Hurst would be quietly confident uh, going into that one that they can can get a result in a one-off game. Yeah, he absolutely had the opportunity to rest certain players and give players pitch time that might be called upon perhaps off the bench when it comes to those playoff games. We've got four other games to cover in the National League, even though two of us were at those games or were involved, you know, we support the clubs involved. We won't dwell on them too much because they weren't too critical in terms of final positions. The sides in 10th and 12th place prior to Sunday's games were Southend and Torquay. Uh, pretty much as mid-table as you can get. And it ended with a one-all draw. Uh, I know you weren't there today, Joe, but uh, what's the highlights and your take on the Southend and Torquay game today? Um, from what I heard, it was a, a case of what our what our season is in a nutshell, really. Uh, lots of chances, you know, lots of shots. Couldn't finish them off in the end. Um, I do think that if we'd have managed to keep a, keep a, a good striker um, in our ranks for the whole season, obviously we did have Sinclair Armstrong before he was plucked from older shot. 
Um, if we did have a good striker, I think we would have crept into those final few places because um, we've we've had a really good record against the top seven um, this season. But in Southend got a, a point in the end, even though they had a man sent off. Um, obviously, James Dunn got sent off in the in the second half. Um, we did. It wasn't our strongest team. Um, we did make a couple of uh, changes, be it either enforced or planned. Um, we have got uh, a fair few players leaving. Uh, now that the season is finished, about six or seven of our core team um, are off um, to higher pastures. Um, and we did have a, a two debuts today, uh, one for a, a 18-year-old lad, Alex Moyes, from the bench, um, as Johnson looks to try and give a couple of the youngsters a game. But uh, yeah, it was, as you say, it was a, a mid-table game and uh, not really a lot to, to write home about. Fair enough. Uh, I was at another one of those, but I want to give a lot of credit to the opposition. Aldershot took on Wealdstone. Aldershot came into the game unbeaten in four and really desperately wanted to take that to five to end the season. Unfortunately, they ended up, despite a a decent performance at times, uh, with some of their old defensive frailties coming to the fore. Wealdstone, particularly with Josh Umera, impressive. He got his 16th goal of the season. Ira Jackson Jr. scored as well. A quite wonderful, brilliant individual solo goal from Jaden Harris had put the shots level at half time, uh, one all, but they couldn't see the game out. And uh, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge how well I thought Wildstone have done this season. They ended the season with four wins in the last seven. Uh, and I had to catch up as ever with their media manager. Chris Woods before the game. How nice is it to come along to this game, the club you work for and the club you've been involved with and supported for many years as well, um, knowing that both of them are safe going into next season? It's a big relief. I was really worried at the start of the season when we met, I think it was in September, October, that one of us would be in a difficult position come to the last game. But I think we've, we've both managed to drag ourselves out of it. I think we've, Wildstone have kept our form so I think we were roughly winning about one in every four or five games uh, this year and just sort of kept that consistency where I think Aldershot went for a good patch, then a bad patch, then a good patch again. So I think it's um, two different ways of accumulating our points. I think ours are certainly the, the less stressful way anyway. Absolutely. I mean, one of the nice things about the two games is that we were able to catch up and have a quick drink after the first game and God willing we will today as well. Um, looking back at it, really something we talked about off air as well it might well be that with Dover and Weymouth going down and Altrincham going full time then Wildstone could be the only part time club in the National League next year couldn't they? I think it's this looking very very likely um, I think we're going to keep with our model for next season at least I thought we may go a little more hybrid but uh, it's just, we're just not in a position to do that right now um, but there's a real hunger in the club to stay in this league and not drop back in into the south so we're going to have to make that step eventually but yeah we're sort of um, all hoping maybe Chippenham win their playoff matches and they can uh, come and join us so we're not the only ones mm. but no looking at the playoffs as well in the north and south so many strong teams and, and you know traditionally well run clubs so it, it's going to be a really tough league next year especially with four going down again Absolutely and, and with the likes of Woking becoming fo- full time recently I'm sure that's a club for example, that Wealdstone will be keeping an eye on. Obviously, different kind of size and feel about the clubs, but uh, and, and different probably different models anyway going into it. But um, what they have had and you have had in, over recent years, 
becomes a little bit more niche now, doesn't it? It means that anybody of the level that wants to play the highest level they can part-time makes Wealdstone a very attractive club. You know, but yeah, by rights, we should attract the best part-time players in the country, but it doesn't really always work out like that. We've been quite lucky with our recruitment this year. In Woking went full-time, we got two of their best players who wanted to stay part-time in, in Jack Cook and Charlie Cooper, and that really, really helped us strengthen this season. Um, but there's teams in the South, um, bigger budgets than what we're paying. Um, and, you know, they're going part, they stay part time because they want to maximise their revenue. They they might get a better challenge here of, of playing against full time clubs. And, you know, you're at the peak of the part time game. But, you know, if it's, if it's a money decision and a livelihood decision, then there are teams that are paying a lot more us in levels below us. That's that's the, uh, the shame of it. But again, I think all the lads here are here because they want to put themselves in the shop window and go into full-time football, whether they've not been there yet or have dropped out and want to go back in. So this is the best place to challenge yourself, definitely. And in terms of a little bit of consistency and continuity, uh, this very week in which we're speaking, your manager Stuart Maynard and uh, Matt Saunders have, have been confirmed on two-year contracts, which is uh, good news from a stability point of view. It's great news for everybody. It was... Um, it been talked to me going on for a while anyway. I don't think they're ever in danger or in any doubts. So it's good to get them on board. I think they've got a they've got a clear vision. We've got a way of playing as well that we've stuck to all year. You know, we're going to Stockports and Wrexham's and we're sticking to our style of football. And we've not gone to any team at all this year and, and give them too much respect or park the bus. You know, whereas last season we was we was getting rolled over in games uh, for a for a big point of the year. So. You know, every game we've been in, maybe bar one or two anomalies, we've been in a game. And that's, you know, whether it's Stockport or Dover or anybody like that, it's, we've, we've really, really, really kicked on this year. And I hope to do it again, yeah, with the new two-year deal. Yeah, and, 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 and always a bit of a dodgy question this when we're recording it pre-match and the podcast coming out post-match. But what are you uh, what are you hoping for today? A good open game, plenty of goals? Draw. <laughs> <laughs> And that was Chris Woods. I bumped into him briefly afterwards. Uh, really good times uh, for Wealdstone. They've finished 16th in the end, established themselves firmly at this level now. Uh, and Stuart Maynard and Matt Saunders have signed extended contracts for two more years this season. Uh, and I think that game that I was at today probably had the two younger squads in the National League out there. And I have to say, I was impressed by three or four of the young Wealdstone players. So congratulations to them. Uh, Altrincham played Yeovil. That was a tight one, Dickie, wasn't it? Um, Yeovil just uh, winning it by the odd goal? Yeah, they did. Yeah, finished 1-0 to Yeovil in the end. It was a, a Tom Knowles goal in the uh, first half. I think we'd settled that one. Um, you know, not really anything to, to be playing for, for for either of these teams. We know um, altering and saying goodbye to a number of their players. They've announced that they're going full-time and, and um, they've uh, announced this week that a number of players who've been pretty integral to the success that they've had in rising through. I mean, let's not forget Phil Parkinson was brought in to get them promoted out of the Northern Premier League, which he did, got them into National League North, got them promoted again within two seasons. And now they've consolidated nicely um, in the National League. But not all of those players are going to be able to carry on that journey with them into full-time football. Um, you would say that there might be some quite good players uh, certainly looking for part-time or semi-professional teams in the Greater Manchester area with those um having gone um for Yeovil yeah I mean it's a uh, with 
Darren Saul having gone quite recently uh, to Woking. I think it's just been a case of, of letting the not letting the season run out. Obviously, they they um, you know stuck to their task, but it's all about what they do in the summer now. I would think rather than how they finish this season. And one more game to go. Apologies, Bromley and Barnet fans for leaving it till last. It was a, a bit of a thriller. Bromley got the job done. I think they might have got a bit of a chivvy up at half-time because the scores were level. And I noticed they were. it was one all at half-time. And I noticed they were 3-1 up within five minutes of the second half. Bromley got it done in the end. They won 4-2. And probably the most notable thing from afar um, is that Michael Cheek, who has had a horrendous run, without scoring goals in the National League. He did get the fourth and final goal uh, in the 80th minute for them. So he'll have been delighted to have scored uh, the final goal in the final game of the season. And he'll once again, of course, be in the top three or four scorers in the National League. Bromley finished the season 11th, a little bit like Boreham Wood. You know, it's the season that might have been, but they cannot still at least end it on a high uh, with the playoff final. Uh, sorry, they can at least end it on a high with the FA Trophy final against Wrexham later in May. And Joe, just coming back to Yeovil, an interesting, an interesting bit of news you've picked up on the grapevine that might happen? Yeah, um, might happen. Um, I'm good friends with, uh, funny enough, Josh, Josh Staunton, obviously he was in, in charge today. Um, it did, remains to, see, to be seen whether he'll be there next year. But uh, the report is that uh, Chris Hargreaves will be taking over there um obviously there there were a couple of names in the frame uh, Jamie McAllister who obviously formerly of Yeovil um although Lee Johnson's in the frame for the Hibernian job hence why he's sort of a bit tentative to take that um and they do have a manager already agreed hence why Charlie Lee left uh, this week um and it does look like uh, Chris Hargreaves is is the one that they're going to go for when he left Bristol Rovers earlier in the season he said he wants to get back into management and you would question he's probably not at the level yet to be managing in the AFL. So given his connections in the Southwest with Bristol Rovers and Torquay, it, it seems the right sort of fit for him geographically. Um, mm. Whether or not uh, a job like this, given what will probably be very, very limited resources for a manager who's only really had a season in management, um, is the right fit remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, it looks like he might go there, go to Yeovil. Excellent stuff. Glad we got you on this week, Joe, because I must admit I hadn't heard that one. Uh, and just one more game to cover in the National League. And we've said week in, week out, Dover keep going to the very end. Well, it wasn't a happy ending for them, was it, Chris? But uh, just talk us through Dover's last game of the season because it had a few twists in it. Yeah, yeah well, it hasn't, been, um, it hasn't been plain sailing, has it, at all this season? And it, w- it wouldn't have been Dover if... Uh, if it wasn't again today. So they went 1-0 down. Uh, good ship scored after nine minutes. They equalised on, on 76 through Nelson. Had a man sent off on 90 plus three and 90 plus five. They conceded that 100 and first goal of the season. Now, I haven't had time because I've just got back from Edgeley Park. But if I had have had time, I would have had a look and see whether that is a record a century uh, of goals against. Um, it would, I'm sure it is for a good few years, but uh, yes. And and uh, unfortunately for both those sides, we won't be talking about them in the National League next season. So I guess it was pride they were playing for today. So whilst the National League were concluding with the final round of fixtures on Saturday, the 
playoff games, uh, the eliminate, eliminators and semi-finals in the National League South and North have already been underway for a week or so. Let's just try and wrap that up a little bit for you in the South. Uh, in the eliminators midweek, Oxford City met Eastbourne and a goal in each half from Elliot Benyon and George Harmon saw Oxford City prevail in that one. Dartford and Chippenham was a much, much closer affair. Uh, and quite to some surprise uh, for, for a lot of us, uh, Chippenham got the nil-nil and they got the job done on penalties. Chip keeper Will Henry saving three penalties in the shootout uh, on top of three penalties he saved during the regular season as well. Fair to say he played a huge hand in uh, Chippenham making the playoffs in that final position. Afterwards, when asked about it, he said, there's no secret. I just love saving penalties. Beautiful in its simplicity, that one. So that meant that the semi-finals this weekend were um, yesterday, Saturday, uh, Dorking against Oxford City. And Dorking really went about their business quickly there. They were two up in 18 minutes, Jason Pryor and Barry Fuller on the score sheet. They added to that in the second half with an Alfie Rutherford goal, which sealed the deal. Uh, and ahead of next Saturday's final at Meadowbank, I caught up with victorious Dorking manager Mark White. Mark, you got through the first hurdle. First and foremost, though, congratulations on completing the season in the National League South at, uh, at the third attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a valid point. People forget that. We were still the Bostic League champions until about three weeks ago. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, um, we were really pleased with this season. Uh, Runners-up, torrid year of injuries. Mm. But the objective was, was always there still, uh, which was um, to try and get promoted. And we've now got uh, a bite of the cherry, a big, a big bite of the cherry of that being at home in the, in the final. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the uh, the uh, the playoff uh, semi-final against Oxford City, obviously you do them well, you respected them well, but you went at it hard, didn't you? I think I've seen your post-match interview, your, your game plan was to get out there and try and get it done as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've been pretty consistent with that recently um, and we certainly fought off the back of their the Eliminator being midweek, which I wouldn't be a fan of if I was one of them clubs. Um, you know, we thought um, it was important to get out there early and put some real pace on the game. And yeah, they, they, we were very strong first half. We, we could have been more than a few goals to the good. Um, and then the heat kind of had its way and the game died down a bit second half. But job done. Um, I think probably as comfortable as it can get being a semi-final. Yeah, absolutely. Talked. I mean, it shouldn't be lost on anybody. Just what an achievement it was to finish second. Without, I mean, we're not. We're not talking about here. Um, just necessarily huge number of injuries. We're talking about key key players. Some of your highest, best talented players. You know, I think a lot of people um, that I speak with think uh, Briggs is you know, arguably one of the best players, if not the best player in the division. And you were out the ser- without the services of Jason Pryor for a long time too, but you got him back now and, and, and how important was that first goal uh, on Saturday, uh, a moment of class? Well, this is it, Rob. You know, you, you've hit the man on the head, bang on the head, really. I mean, the players we had missing were uh, the likes of Barry Fuller, Wes Fogden, Matt Riggs, Jason Pryor, and, and some of these boys have missed half the season, if not more. Um, so we had a torrid one but yesterday 
you saw, you know, when Jason Dreyer played, one ball in the box uh, can be the difference between the other team getting their tails down <laughs> or mm. not. Mm. Um, and, you know, what a big difference uh, a player like Jason makes. So, yeah, we're delighted he's back. He is our talisman. He's one of our leaders. And um, we're always more confident when he's on the field. And also Barry Fuller, who, after horrific um, brain tumour scare, mm. which lasted 14 weeks, uh, played um, only his second game in as many weeks as captain mm. and also got on the score sheet. Yeah, fantastic stuff. You know, these key players coming back at a key time. Um I've got to confess to you something now. Yeah, I know we've shared it in, in, in private messages, but I feel so awful about this. I, I have been wanting to get to Meadowbank for so long, but because of my commitments with, with BBC Surrey and commentating on order shot, you know, there's been a couple of times when it almost happened and it didn't. And now, uh, <laughs> God willing, Mark, I'm going to get to visit Meadowbank uh, next Saturday on what is going to be the finest day in the stadium and in the club's history, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, mate, it'd be great to, to, to see you down there. Of course, Rob, you know, mm. um, I'm a non-league man like yourself, so I recognise all the work that goes in. And um, it is, look, it is the biggest game in our club history. That We can't we can't dress that down. And we are going to attempt to become the first ever club that's gone from the very bottom rung of non-league to the top rung. Mm. So from starting at Division 5 of a park football league in front of achieve 12 promotions which takes you to um, step one so that's that's what's on the table for us and we're going to give it everything we got yeah absolutely and and, and 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 were you to get across that final hurdle what a contrasting fixture we could see in the national league next season beggar's belief doesn't it oldham against dorkin and if you went back you know whatever 10 years um there would there would there would be too many leagues between those two sides to count so we wait and see uh, if that happens, um, Mark, you've got, nice. yeah, you, you, you've got, uh, well, as we're speaking now on uh, Sunday late morning, uh, you've got uh, six days or so to prepare for uh, the visit. I guess the first part of that preparation is is just taking in the uh, the other semi-final today, is it? Ebbsfleet um, and Chippenham and what dark horses Chippenham have, uh, Chippenham have been uh, this season? Yeah, they've played their role, haven't they, of that kind of stereotypical, you know, on a high, got that last spot. How many times do you see that? Mm. And um, they're always a dangerous team. And, um, yeah, off to watch that game, more so to keep my sort of uh, feet in the water, mm. be around it. You know, we know these teams very well, how they play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, who knows which way that game will go or will it gone. Mm. And um, mm. I think from our point of view, we're really confident in whoever we play, being at home in front of our crowd, mm. and it's going to be a, a great day. But of course, there's still work to be done. Absolutely. Just talk to me. One thing that I should have been across and I'm not, but hopefully you can help me with, in terms of the record crowds um, at Meadowbank, have, have, have they been have, have new records been set in, in recent weeks? And might they be set again next yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah, no, we've, we've basically sold out pretty much 3,000 uh, a few times this year uh, with the visit of Maidstone in the league. When they came down, we were, you know, first and second. And um, we, we've got some structural elements we want to add to the ground. So believe it or not, even though the capacity is a little bit more than that, 
we're not sort of that willing to put people on flat standing and make them have to get on people's shoulders to see it. Mm. So we, we, we kind of just tend to sell a little bit under what could yeah. get in there by the letter of the law. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so no, it's been brilliant. It's been amazing, to be honest. It's been mm. incredible. The whole town is behind mm. the club and... Mm. Um, you know, obviously, I really appreciate it because we had no support at one point. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not one, which sounds stupid, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Literally was one man. It's, it's an incredible story. Long may it continue, Mark. And uh, I really, really look forward to uh, to that final next week. Whoever Dorkin will play, obviously, say the winner of Ebbsfleet and Chippenham. And by the time this podcast comes out, we will know that. Um, but thank you very much for joining us a week or so before and look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Yeah, thanks. It'll be great to see you. That was Dorking manager Mark White. Uh, quite understandably, quite bullish, looking forward, confident. And uh, Joe, he never let the fact that they didn't win the league, that they finished second, which you see so often, you see teams then not going into the playoffs in the right frame of mind. He bossed it really well, didn't he? He managed it really cleverly. He talked about what a great achievement that was, finishing second, despite the massive Injuries to key players, Jason Pryor, Matt Briggs, etc. Um, and, uh, you know, he thought, do you know what? We're at home, potentially, in a semi-final, in the final. We can still get the job done the hard way. And he's made a cracking start, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's the sort of manager that's well, uh, extremely confident of uh, of what his side can do, and rightly so. I mean, with the players that they've got back, you talked about there, Jason Pryor. He's come back from an injury. He got on the score sheet yesterday, opened it for them. And uh, he would have known going into that game that, although it would have been a difficult game, if they could play the way that they can do and have been all season, even though they came second, uh, they'd be in the, in the final. Um, but I think... Maidstone and Dorking have been the two runaway teams um, in this division and, and uh, quite by quite some margin as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, an easy win in the end for them and uh, they'll uh, take some stopping in the final, I think. Yeah, credit to Oxford City for keeping the momentum after they lost their manager, David Oldfield, to Weymouth earlier in the season. Uh, and in the uh, second semi-final played on Sunday, it was a tight, a dour affair. It was nil-nil, went to extra time, but ultimately a Lee Martin goal in the 98th minute got the win for Ebbsfleet. So Ebbsfleet will travel to Meadowbank, to Dorking, uh, next Saturday for the National League South uh, playoff final. I'm delighted, um, as uh, you'll have have picked up some reference in the chat with Mark White, that uh, I'll be at that game and hopefully commentating on that game for BBC Radio Surrey Sport. I'm so looking forward you know, to see in Meadowbank, um, uh, to being at that game. And uh, that should be a really, really good game, you know, for Ebbsfleet. I think Tom's been on a few times this season and said they perhaps lacked the consistency of one or two of the other teams. But on their day, uh, in a one-off game, they're capable. And I think they are one of probably just three or four teams seriously capable of going to talking next Saturday in the final and giving them a very, very good game. And Joe, ultimately, it wasn't to be for Chippenham. They did so well they, to get in to the playoffs at the last minute and uh, pull off that uh, shock win at uh, Steve King's Dartford. But uh, in the end, it was just a game too much for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think they wouldn't have uh, envisaged them getting this far anyway. Um, so then to then have to regroup again 
and go away to Ebbsfleet. Um, it was always going to be a tough challenge against a team that uh, are fairly free scoring. Um, they they give it their good go. They did have a couple of chances, but in the end, uh, I think Ebbsfleet just uh, that little bit more going forward uh, made it pay on the day. Our congratulations, of course, to Maidstone, who've already been promoted. And we will be hearing uh, in next weekend's podcast from George Fowler, who was part of that victorious Maidstone team. And as we move on to cover the National League North now, we'll also be talking to a champion from the National League North next weekend, Robbie Tinkler of Gateshead. Uh, We'll hear from him as Gateshead look to... uh, regain their status or will regain their status back as a National League club next season. Right, Dickie, you can move to centre stage now. We've talked about Gateshead being the uh, National League North champions this season. Just take us a little bit through the midweek eliminators first, if you can. Um, Kidderminster against Boston and York against Chorley. How did they play out? Yes, Rob. Well, the um, Eliminators started on Wednesday evening. It was um, We spoke last weekend about the fact that York and Chorley were in fifth and sixth on the table. And it was the point that York got at Telford last weekend when Chorley lost, which meant that York got home advantage. Um, well, ultimately, you can argue that that proved to be um, uh, decisive because York took a, a 2-1 win against Chorley on Wednesday night. And then L. John Lewis put them into the lead. Connor Hall did equalise for Chorley in what sounded like a pretty even first half. But then early in the second half, a, a pretty uncharacteristic but uh, dreadful error by Matto in uh, the Chorley goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. Um, had it stolen off him by Mitch Hancock, who's been a revelation for York since he's gone there alone from Hereford. He rolled the ball into an empty net uh, and York saw that one home to win by 2-1. The following evening, um, I went to Agra, um, home of Kidderminster Harriers, as they entertained Boston in the uh, the second eliminator. Now, this one was a, a pretty difficult one to call fourth against seventh, but ultimately it was the away side Boston that came away with the victory in the end. Um, and I spoke to their manager, Paul Cox, afterwards. Paul, congratulations. A really, really great result for your team tonight. Yeah, I thought we, uh, I thought we deserved to win. Um, I, thought, I thought our first half um, performance uh, was everything I looked for. Um, we were dominant, we were, we were physically imposing. Um, our work ethic and, and the, the ability to create chances was, was good. I thought, I thought we, we missed the two easiest chances of the half. Um, and really, we could have come in with a, with a great scoreline. Um, look, Russ has done a great job here. Um, you know, the, the players he's put together, uh, they've had a fabulous season. Probably the FA Cup might have impacted them a little bit, but what a season they've had and good players. You know, I'm, I'm the first one to go and uh, I know quite a number of their players and good players and good people as well. So, um, and it's just sad that it has to end like it did tonight. But you know, we, we've got to be hungry. We've got to. Um, we've now got to be hungry for more. And um, the players have shown that. You know, we've been on a, a decent run. You know, we've gone some tough places and, you know, Farsley weren't easy on Saturday. Um, we've gone some tough places and got results and the boys are starting to be able to adapt to environments, adapt to, um, you know, people's style of play and um, and come out on, 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 on with a winning formula. Do you think some of those performances and, uh, and results that you're getting towards the end of the season in order to get you into the playoffs, do you, do you think, in a sense, that maybe prepared you better for a contest like tonight? Maybe more so than you know. You said about Russ and Kidderminster; they've been comfortable in fourth for a number of weeks now, and, and having that competitive edge. Well, look, I, I, I think when you're chasing, 
the whole thing becomes easy. And we're still chasing. Um, and we've got to chase on Sunday. Um, you know, for us, you know, just keeping the, the dream alive because, you know, at uh, quarter five on, on Saturday, we might not have been in the playoffs. So the boys are, you know, the, the, the boys have, um, you know, absorbed everything. And, and the one thing I, I can say in there now is that it seems to be an, an inner belief that we can go places and, and, and not just compete, but we can go. I, I thought we were the better side tonight overall. I thought Kitty would, had the lion's share possession second half and, and played on the front foot. I never really thought they, they troubled us too much. Um, so and we're, we're talking about a very good side and a very big club here. So, look, you know, credit to, to, to the players because to come here... And, and, and to win as we did um, players deserve all the credit and the belief has to come from the players doesn't it I mean you as a manager can come in um, you know and, and tweak things here and there but, yeah. but that inner belief it, it can only come from inside no I, I, got asked, I get asked the questions a lot because I've gone into different clubs and um, when you go into a football club it means you know unfortunately a manager's lost his job and you, the first thing I look for is, is the ingredients to what is missing because something has to be missing now, now with this group, you know, on paper, you've got a lot of very good players um, with a lot of really, really good individuals. My job was to make them a good team. And um, slowly by slowly, we've had some highs, we've had some lows, and we've worked hard on the training ground, we've worked on the mindset. And, and really, with this group, it is a mentality. And um, we've galvanised them. We've got them to understand that, you know, being an individual in this group, I mean, it doesn't, I don't, I don't accept it. You've got to be part of a team. And um, we've seen tonight, we had 11 players and then the players that come on, they all work for the cause. And, and I thought our work ethic, I thought the, the, the way we applied ourselves was, was brilliant. And then we've got some natural ability in, 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 in the group that shine. And I thought Femi was excellent. I thought Bernie, in, in, in the, you know, throughout the game, controlled that, you know, the ball in midfield. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I don't think as an individual you can, you can give a group confidence. All you can do is you know, um, sort of sow some seeds in, in, in their minds to, um, and, and, and try and let it grow. We, we, we went back to basics, starting to do the basics really well now, and um, it's paying dividends. But look, it's, we're going to enjoy tonight um, because it's a big result for us. Um, but we know Sundays are going to be even, even bigger. Um, but the boys are capable. The boys are capable of it. It's a um, long journey home this evening, but one you will enjoy, and, and then it's a, a, a trip to Fylde on Sunday. So it's not a lot of space in between, you know, for you to um, work with the team. It'll be essentially about resting, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. Look, you know, the, 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 the group know what to do, how to do it, and, 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 and how to apply themselves. Um, it'll be now um, just getting some, some legs back. Um, hopefully, we, you know, Dux is not too bad because... If not, I might have to name myself on the bench or, you know, some, 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 of, the, um, some of the backroom staff. Um, but no, look, I, I, I'm proud of the club tonight. I'm proud of the way we're finishing the season. We're giving our, our, spe- our spectators, the supporters, the people who have supported us home and away since I've been at the club. They've been absolutely immense and they need a massive, a massive, um, uh, you know, shout out because it, it, it's just been, I'm, I'm very, very humbled by it. Um, but look, we're going to enjoy it. That's all you can do. And, um, you know, I mean, we'll see where we are Sunday. Um, you know, come, come quarter five and, you know, if we're in the next phase, we're in the next phase. If not, then the planning starts to try and take this club back to where it should be again. And I'm looking for consistency from, from the pre-season. So, look, we're going to enjoy it.
you do have to do it the hard way. You have to go away from home. But you know, you had 400 fans here tonight in a, in a crowd of 4,000, and you know, your players didn't seem put, you know, perturbed by playing in this atmosphere at all. No, look, I mean, if you're going to spin the coin in terms of psychology, you can come here and freeze. You know, I, I told the players, you know, when, when we when we've qualified that if you don't want to be involved in these kind of games and go and be, you know, go and do something else, these are the nights and the days where you want to be involved in football. Embrace it. Um, I've seen some people struggle with big crowds and noise and, and, and hostile atmospheres. And I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed it and embrace it and, 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 and lap it up because it's, it's something as a player. You tell your grandkids when, when you're older and have photos of it. So I think we've got one or two now that are starting to... To, to believe that you know we, we, we've got a right to, to be where we are and like I say because of probably results early on in the season probably one or two and then the group had lost a, probably a bit of belief that they can be competitive consistently so there was a consistency in our gameplay tonight so boys have just got to take it into to Sunday now and, and um, win another tough game and that was Paul Cox uh, obviously uh, delighted with that victory um, Dicky, uh, much tougher for um, Russ Penn to take, and you caught up with him after the game as well. Russ, not the end to the season that you would have wanted. No, I think. Listen, playoffs are what they are. They're a great spectacle. They're very emotional. They're a one-game knockout. You play 53 games. It's our 54th game today, and all that hard work for a one-game knockout. You know, and it's a, a kind of a mistake to lose you the game. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to take. Um, so yeah I'm disappointed I thought we were poor first half I thought Boston were very good and I thought the game turned a little bit on the hour mark we scored our goal I think there was only one winner then um, and we conceded at our, probably our best moment in the game but full credit to Boston um, you know they've, 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 they've come here with a game plan and you know I wish them all the best I mean at this point in time obviously it's, it's only probably about 45 minutes since the game ended you probably haven't had an opportunity to reflect on on this season as a whole but I mean I guess that'll happen over the next few days but if we think about you know where you brought the club from and you know there's almost 4,000 in here this evening and and, um, that must give you a lot of pride yeah like you said I think it's the timing of it now I can't even think about that at the moment I think give me a couple of days to a week when the dust settles and we look back at what we've achieved as a club um, on and off the field magnificent magnificent that doesn't make me feel any better now because I'm greedy and I want more and I want to be successful and I want full houses all the time and I want cut runs and I want success um, so yeah would have snapped your hand off at the start of the season to, to if someone told me this is what we'd achieve this year I wouldn't have believed you um, but when you get so close you want more so um, double-edged sword really yeah I mean as much as the season that you've had potentially gives you, you know, a fantastic springboard for next season. Yeah. Momentum and seizing your moment in football is a big thing, isn't it? And, and it's just slipped away from you this, this season. It has. Um, I think um, when, when you get success, what, what happens with success is, become, is expectation. And um, a lot of people are going to expect next year. That's fine. We've got to live with that. I'm a pressure. And I have to do what I need to do now in the summer to make us that little bit better. It's not a lot to change. Um, but like always, we've got to be the team to beat next year because um, we're going to live off the back of what we've achieved this year. 
everyone expects success, me included, so it becomes a little bit more pressurised, but um, that, that's fine, that's football, and um, I'd rather be in that situation than not. Sure. And obviously, um, just touching on your own circumstances, a big vote of confidence in you uh, and Jimmy from, from the board this week and the extension of your contracts on Monday. Yeah, listen, I think this, it was it was always been talked about after January, to be honest. It's just, we've just had that many games, we haven't been able to nail it down. You know, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be here for for the long for the longevity, really. And the chairman's backed me very well. And um, together, the staff and the players, um, we're hopefully going to get be successful. That's the aim. Um, we've got good foundations foundations this year, and we've got to build them stronger. Sure. Will you get a chance to get away in the summer? I've got. I'm tired, mate. I, I'm really tired, <laughs> and I think uh, it's took a lot out of me this year. I had air, you know, at the start of the season, <laughs> and um, and so did my assistant. It's 54 games. It's took a hell of a lot. It's took a lot of beating, and um, I'm gutted that we're not lasting that other week. But we've got to dust ourselves down, recharge, and the new season's only five and a half weeks away, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, but yeah, need a break and uh, look forward to it, and then get back to work on Monday. Sure. And I'd just say, on, on behalf of our podcast, Russ, obviously you've been hugely obliging this season. You've had, you know, a great time. You've represented the National League and National League North so well. So I just want to say thank you and congratulations. No, thanks very much. I think there's a lot of good clubs and good managers now in the game. Um, the, the, the profile of National North and South is getting a lot higher with the full-time status of certain teams and, and the hybrid of certain teams and the personnel. Um, it's a tough, tough league to get out of. Um, but we go again. As does everyone else. And that was Russ Penn. Kidderminster will come again under Penn, surely, won't they, Dickie? Yes, you would think so. I mean, um, I was struck really very much on the night by how much both sides were depleted by injuries. Um, and I think the the injuries that Kidderminster had were, were perhaps just the more... Um, players who are more central to what they do. Sam Austin, who is an inspirational captain for Kidderminster, plays behind Murray Morgan-Smith. You've got the uh, Hemmings and Sterling either side of him. You know, we, we saw what they did against a Premier League team, West Ham in the FA Cup. Without Austin there pulling the strings, Kidderminster just didn't seem to have um, the cutting edge up front that they needed, unfortunately. Um, it was a Danny Elliott goal that had Boston into the lead just before halftime. Hemmings did score a fantastic equaliser, I have to say, but just at the point that Kidderminster looked as if they were getting on top, um, play went down to the other end. And irony of ironies, it was Alex Penny, the man who actually scored against West Ham in that cup game, who put through his own net with 15 minutes to go, which meant that Kidderminster ultimately bowed out. But yeah, I, I've no doubt they will come again. The thing about the season they've had is, you know, obviously the FA Cup revenue gives them a fantastic platform to build on for next year. And uh, Chris, just coming to you, um, York, um, it's a big club, isn't it? To a new ground. I think the attendance record created, I don't know if one of you guys have got the stat on that, but uh, a new a New York attendance uh, record. Yeah, I think it certainly is for the stadium. It might even be uh, the second highest attendance um, at, in National League North um, that, that's been recorded as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's terrific. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, fuss. I mean, York had to put out a statement on Thursday, I think, because of some damage that occurred to seating within the stadium. Um, some overexcitable uh, teenage fans of theirs were, were jumping on the seats at the end of the game. Um, but... You know, they've never, they haven't seen this kind of thing. You know, if you're a young York City fan, 
then talk about, you know, the football league days and things like that as something that is just unknown to you. So, you know, these are heady days. I'm not condoning um, what happened whatsoever, but, you know, there is a lot of excitement around that club at the moment. So we moved at the weekend to the semi-finals in the National League North playoffs and it was Brackley with their incredible defence and their formidable home record at home to York. It was that man, Linnell John Lewis, who was the key party again, wasn't it, Dick? Yes, he was. Yeah, it was a very it was a very tight encounter, as you might have expected, between um, these two sides. You know, we've spoken at length about Brackley's defensive record. My concern about Brackley has always been that if the other team can um, if they don't score, then they are vulnerable. You know, they're not a high scoring team. And ultimately, that's what happened in the game. Some defensive um, errors combined to give Lanell John Lewis uh, pretty much a tap in from close range. Um, they did then get a penalty, Brackley. Um, that there was a push in the penalty area, I think, on Matt Lowe. Uh, but Jimmy Armson's spot kick was really, really well saved by York goalkeeper Pete Jameson. And then in the second half, as much as Brackley huffed and puffed, uh, York held them at arm's length really quite comfortably. I think they didn't really go looking for a second goal, but neither did it look like Brackley were going to break through. Um, so, yeah, ultimately disappointment for Brackley having finished second but um, I wouldn't say elation for John Askey I did speak to him afterwards he's he never speaks in in elated terms but he was certainly satisfied with um, their performance. First of all John congratulations on that performance um, what, what was your game plan going into today against a team like Brackley who are so hard to break down? Um, it's just, obviously we know how, uh, how Brackley set up and you've got a battle and fight uh, it's not easy to play against them obviously uh, when we got the ball, we were trying to trying to keep hold of it and move them about, um, which is not easy to do. Um, but obviously, I'm, I'm just really pleased that we got the result. It, it, it wasn't obviously uh, the prettiest of games, but uh, all that matters is that, you, is that you win. Sure. I mean, when it comes down to playoff games, it is literally about getting over the line, isn't it? And you've you've done that on Wednesday against Chorley and again today, and you must have high hopes for next week's final. Yeah, because um, over the last th- uh, two or three months, um, apart from Gate said we we've uh, got the best record. So we're you know we've turned a corner. We we hope and the momentum's with us. Um, so uh, and it showed today. We, we know how to win games, and uh, and that wasn't the case when when I first came into the football club. But uh, the players have been fantastic today, every single one of them, and. Uh, it's, uh, I'm just really pleased for them because they work really hard. And, and again, towards the end of the game, I thought we looked the stronger team, despite the amount of games that we've played. I mean, what did you have to change when you came into the football club? I mean, what, what, what did you find and, and, and how did you go about that? Uh, we, we brought one or two players in, moved one or two players on. Um, you know, and, and uh, as I say, uh, just, you know, there was, I'm not saying there was that much wrong before. Um, you know, it's sometimes something clicks, and, and it has at the moment. But we're not getting carried away. For a club like York, we need to get promoted. Um, you know, they're a football league club, as they all know. But there's a lot of clubs um, in non-league now who, who are saying that. Uh, you've only got to look at Wrexham and Stockport, and uh, it's uh, the the start of it. Hopefully, is uh, is next Saturday uh, if we can get promoted. Uh, 
I'll, you know, I'll be really pleased for everybody connected to York because they haven't had the best of times. When you've, you've reached one semi-final this season, you've gone one better in a semi-final today, um, and you've got some momentum going at York as well. I know the crowds are going up, uh, the interest, the buzz seems to be back around the club. That must be really gratifying to see. Yeah, you can't ask any more. You know, when I came in, I couldn't have dreamed that, that it would go like this in the first year. So uh, players that have come in have done really well. Um, the players that we already got have been performing. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can go that one step more and, uh, and then I'll be even more pleased. And that was John Askey, understandably, uh, levelling things out as he always does. Chris, what would it mean to the people of York and the supporters to be back in the National League next season? Oh, it'd be absolutely huge, wouldn't it? I mean... They've avoided a, a, a massive banana skin at, at Brackley there, haven't they? And uh, to go through, I think York can look at a club like Stockport County, for example, who were in exactly the same position as them and who have now been promoted back to the Football League. So, I mean, they'd love to get Football League football at their new stadium, uh, wouldn't they? I mean, that's what it was built for at the, at the end of the day. Uh, if they can get back up to the National League, that's the first step. All right, well... Uh... Let's find out who they're going to be playing in the National League North playoff final. What a tie it was to be up at uh, Fylde, where Boston would go once again away from home and take on James Rowe's men after, let's say, a difficult week uh, for James Rowe and for Fylde and for Chesterfield, Rowe's former club. A whole lot of mud dragged uh, through the mire, really, wasn't it, chaps? I don't know if there's too much we can add to it or say about it, but it certainly won't have helped Dickie, um, James Rowe and Files' preparations for their semi-final. No, you would have thought so. There's been, um, I don't want to call it background noise because when we're talking about the kind of things that have been spoken about and and it's actually made the national media this week, I think, you know, it would be doing um, a, a, a disservice to the, uh, the, the gravity of some of the allegations have been made to, to just, just, you know, um, describe it as background noise. But if you're thinking just in terms of a football match, then it was certainly um, a, a, a big uh, distraction and something that they could have done without this week. Whether that uh, played into what eventually happened this afternoon, I'm not entirely sure, but it was third place filed against seventh place Boston and it was seventh place team that won out in the end, Boston winning by two goals to nil, both of them coming fairly late in the game. It was a game I listened to um, on BBC Radio Lincolnshire. Um, Danny Elliott was uh, on target again in, in the same way that Lionel John Lewis has, has bagged in both of York's games in the playoffs so far. Elliott's now got three goals in those. He's gone to 31 for the season. Um, and much like the rest of his season, he's he's one of them was a penalty he bagged in the 80th minute and then he added the insurance very late on the 90th minute with a penalty. Um, and Boston progress. Uh, it, funnily enough, at Brackley yesterday, I bumped into uh, Boston midfielder Shane Byrne. Um, he obviously still has a lot of friends at Brackley from his time there. Um, and we didn't speak for very long. I didn't um, um, catch him on audio because, to be fair, he was on a day off. Um, but he said, yeah, it's a day off. He said, but I couldn't stay at home and just be scrolling on my phone and looking for the result of this one. He had to come down and, and watch. And, of course, he, you know, checking out future opposition as well. 
he was feeling pretty confident. He felt that if they went to file today and won, that they could actually win the whole thing. And that's exactly what they've done today. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's set up for, you know, fifth against seventh isn't exactly uh, how, you know, you imagine that the playoffs are going to play out. But that's what's happened. And York, due to the fact that neither Brackley or Fylde progressed, progressed, actually find themselves hosting the final now at their new ground as well, Dickie. Um, something that they probably didn't think that they would be doing a couple of weeks ago. No, probably not. You know, I think they'd be looking certainly to secure that home advantage in the uh, the, the first uh, in the playoff eliminators. But to think that you could actually be finishing fifth and, and hosting the final on your own ground probably is a bit more than they could have dreamt of. Um, you know, I made reference to the to uh, what happened with Matt Irwin in that game and certainly what contributed to uh, York's goal at Brackley was, again, mistakes. And you look at that one and it does seem in some senses cruel that, you know, after long 42 game seasons that it comes down to errors that settle games. But that's what the playoffs is about, ultimately. It's about putting players under pressure to see, ultimately, who makes the fewest mistakes. And York and Boston are the team that made the fewest mistakes so far. And uh, it'll be a case of who blinks first next Saturday. Great stuff, chaps. Thanks so much for joining us. That's been a a hectic uh, final weekend in the National League. And obviously, the playoffs going on as well. We'll We'll be back next weekend, listeners to cover off those North and South playoff finals and the uh, eliminator stages uh, and stages of the uh, National League playoffs. A reminder then that it's York against Boston. Uh, Dickie, any likelihood that you or Luke or Chris are going to be able to get to that game? Um, I'm certainly exploring the possibility, put it that way. I think having come this far um, into the season and seeing um, you know, both the semi-final and the eliminator game, then, uh, yeah, I would. Um, it would be great to take in the final. I'm sure demand for tickets in York is going to be through the roof. Um, but, yeah, hopefully there might be a place on the press bench I can sneak in. For the, for the NL full-time podcast, you've been covering the National League for uh, almost four complete seasons now. Um, Chris, um, what's lying ahead for you? Are you going to put your feet up a little bit now or go and play a bit of cricket for the summer? Yeah, it's, it's cricket. Cricket for me uh, from from now on uh, for the rest of the summer, and um, also trying to work out what happens next season as well with uh, with Stockport County going up. So uh, a few phone calls to make. It's a planning, and we'll see where uh, see where everything ends up for next season. And I know you've been uh, you know sort of uh, an occasional guest, an occasional occasional pundit with us recently. But uh, whatever happens, even if you move up a level so to speak you'll come back and join us from time to time next season i'm sure of course i will yeah good stuff and uh joe well we know Torquay are going to be in the national league again next season uh are you likely to get to any more games this season or is that it you done now feet up uh yeah i think that's probably me feet up now um like commitments during the summer during the uh the closed season but uh the blog will still be uh going as uh, regularly as usual we uh do all the closed season stuff now got a result haven't we for all your the, the the voting's been going on for your for your teams of the season and everything just give us an update on that and and we'll make sure of course from the uh at nl full-time twitter handle we'll be retweeting those results when they come out 
Yeah, so uh, the fan voted awards uh, finished uh, tonight as we speak, um, and they'll be released uh, Friday, the uh, well, next Friday. Um, and then uh, our our own individual choices for Team of the City National League divisions will be out as well. Great stuff. Um, for those that don't know, Joe writes a fantastic blog, great uh, reviews and previews week in, week out on the National League. And uh, where can they find your uh, website, Joe? Uh, on Twitter, uh, Off The Line Blog. Um, if you just put in Off The Line Blog, either on Twitter or on Google search, then it will, uh, will come up there. Fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you all uh, for joining us today. Uh, for what I hope you'll agree, listeners, has been a pretty thorough wrap-up with... Uh, and you can shake a stick at anyway, that's for sure. Uh, have a great footballing week. Good luck to you that still have teams involved in the playoffs. And we'll do it all again next week. Mm-hmm.